Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 62nd episode, and I'm here after the British Grand Prix, what is usually one of the best weekends of the year. I wouldn't say it was fantastic. It was a decent race, some great storylines, but it was a special one for the Brits here at their home race. But before we get into all that, first, a quick reminder, check out the link tree in the description, guys. It has links to pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, as well as my YouTube channel, Break Bias Twitter, and my TikTok. It also has my email address if you'd like to contact me, my personal Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, the whole nine yards. Now, let's talk about the action at the iconic Silverstone Circuit. As I said, it didn't blow me away this weekend. But it certainly wasn't bad. You can't complain. And it was definitely carried by one team. And that is McLaren. We're going with McLaren off the top. Not something that I thought I'd be doing unless something just insane happened. Well, maybe this was insane because another part of their upgrade they brought here was a front wing, a nose, and a rear suspension. That's now 75% of what they're calling their major upgrade. 50% of it came to Austria, where we saw Lando get that stellar P4 finish. And guys, this upgrade is working. It is Red Bull-inspired. and In fact, Lando actually made a joke. He said it's Aston-inspired because, of course, all the jokes about Aston copying Red Bull. Um, so he said, oh, no, we didn't copy Red Bull. We copied Aston. So... But they performed better than Aston here, that's for sure. Lando and Oscar in qualifying, both sensational. They were there or thereabouts throughout the entire session. I didn't expect them to finish second and third in qualifying, though, that's for sure. And that is what they did. Second and first row for both of them. Uh, I couldn't believe it, but it, it had happened already this year. Not the front row, but, you know... It had happened already this year that McLaren had, you know, an an incredible qualifying. But let's see where they end up in the race. The questions were about where they could finish maybe a top five. Well, the answer is only 3.7 seconds off the lead. Lando was driver of the day with a spectacular drive. Took the lead at the start and led the race for three to four laps ahead of Max Verstappen. Of course, that battle was just not going to be a winning one for McLaren as pretty much all the teams have learned so far this year but you know Piastri was right there too and I think that's what's most encouraging the fact that he was hanging on to the back of Lando and Lando was hanging on to the back of of Verstappen for a long time you know it was a battle between them and Max in the early going they eventually fell back a bit naturally but you know massively encouraging you know they were even gapping Charles Leclerc who was Um, the next he was in p4 at the time at the start of the race and he had fallen back from them which is just kind of insane to think about Um, later on in the race it was unfortunate for Piastri that he he boxed to cover George Russell Um, Russell was about five seconds adrift from Piastri at the time so not like they were gapping the rest of the field by a huge amount but still they were comfortably managing that gap and then the safety car came out shortly after which um, brought Lewis past Oscar, but Oscar was still in a great position. Of course, he finished P4 in the race, so still pretty solid from him. Um, P3 
Piastri wasn't able to challenge Lewis, but at the same time, he did hold off George on the harder compound. Um, just an amazing beyond his years type drive from Piastri. So definitely want to give him props. McLaren clearly has a great driver lineup. Piastri looks to have, you know, made the right decision in joining McLaren after all those jokes about, uh, you know, what he did to Alpine and then McLaren looking like they were in in the dumpster um, at the beginning of the year. And then already it looks like, you know, that was the right decision because Alpine just always seems to stagnate. Um, McLaren might finally be putting it all together and making the progress that we've all been waiting for them to do and we actually thought may have been possible at the very beginning of 2022 but of course it wasn't and I kind of glossed over that uh that strategy on the safety car everyone when they saw McLaren on the hards were like everyone like signs for example he was on the hards and he would look like a sitting duck out there but the McLaren was just so fast that it didn't matter. Lewis Hamilton on the softs, chasing after Lando. George Russell on fresh, fresh-ish, fresh-ish, it's a weird, weird word to say, fresh-ish mediums, um, was chasing Oscar Piastri, and neither Mercedes was able to make any headway on the McLaren. So, yeah, um, the strategy ended up panning out. Lando believes that the softs still would have been better. Um, but it didn't end up mattering. The hard was fine, and they secure by far their best finish of the of these regulations. Um, Lando did have that podium in Imola last season, but Ricardo DNF'd. Yeah, he was out with signs at the very beginning of the race. So um, by far the best two-car finish they've had in these regulations. So... Yeah, are these talks about Lando leaving McLaren going to end now? Because if this is what we can expect from now on for McLaren, they're in no worse position than any other team aside from Red Bull. So it was all this talk about him, you know, joining Aston Martin, joining Audi, joining uh, Mercedes, any of the teams basically besides Ferrari um, or Red Bull. This, the, why would he leave at this point? You know, the uh, McLaren has a a direction. Um, a clear direction, I guess I should say, when, you know, the wind tunnels coming online, they have these amazing hires that are set to join the team. They've always been aiming for 2025, which is still, you know, a, a full over year away. But that's not that bad when you can like, you know, what does Mercedes have to do to be there by 2025? What does Ferrari have to do? Um, Aston Martin is, I guess you could argue, but, you know, he has to wait for Alonso to retire or, you know, basically Lawrence to sell the team. So that probably just is a weird thing to wait on anyway. By then you might as well just, you know, stick with the team you've been working with this entire time because they have looked to make made a huge step here. Um, the only question is, again, was McLaren flattered by Aston and, and Mercedes and even Ferrari just being underwhelming. Um, honestly, after doing this in two, you know, two tracks, um, you know, this is a very aero um, demanding circuit. Same with Austria. To do it that those two tracks to be this competitive, like it's really competitive. I believe McLaren has arrived, and 
they're not always going to be finishing ahead of these group, um, these guys for sure. I, I definitely believe that. Um, but I guess the real question is, is Mika Hakkinen a genius? Because I didn't cover this on the podcast, but about a month ago, um, he was quoted saying that the next team to challenge Red Bull, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be Mercedes. It's not going to be Ferrari. It's not going to be Aston. It's going to be McLaren. And everyone was like, what is this guy on? Uh, Mika, you know, like, you're old. Okay, Boomer. Like, <laughs> all right. All right, old man. Let's bring you back to the nursing home. <laughs> kind of like uh, with some of the jokes that are made about Helmet Marco and he comes out and says some ridiculous stuff. But, no, I think Mika Hakkinen might be a genius. Um, to call that, obviously, he did know something. And knew that uh, the McLaren simulations about their upgrade were phenomenal or something. I don't know what he knew, but obviously he saw this coming. No one else did. So McLaren fans, you deserve this one. Enjoy it while it lasts because who knows? We don't know if this is going to last, but it very well might. So just reserve your excitement, but be excited you know it's 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 okay because you guys definitely deserve it um but i have been starting most of the podcast talking about red bull so i feel like i gotta talk about them now they're still the only team ahead of mclaren at this point um so that was poorly phrased they as in max verstappen still dominated this this race yes it was only 3.7 seconds and the gap seemed close but in the end it was never in doubt you know max gets his first pole at silverstone he did have to work for it a bit but still quarter of a second to lando converts the grand slam in the race like a very quiet grand slam um it wasn't necessarily straightforward you know winning by that only 3.7 seconds but as i said Never really in doubt. It's 11 straight wins for Red Bull now. I do have a declaration to make about this team, though. And that is that the RB19 is officially out of contention for the most dominant car of all time. It's not. It's not. And that is being, you know, it's shown by Sergio Perez. Perez is not this bad he's not that bad I have been very hard on him five straight Q3s missed is honestly embarrassing some of it's been down to bad luck but also the car clearly has some warm-up issues is in you know just not for Max Verstappen Max Verstappen's too good so it doesn't matter but this car that has the warm-up issues especially in these colder conditions Perez of, of not an average driver a good driver not great can't get into q3 when he's back in that really really tight midfield max is just one of the sport's greatest talents since schumacher and senna he does have the best car on the grid right now and at the beginning of the season red bull was definitely a larger step ahead the teams have already caught up a little bit and if you take out the first three races when you know Well, Australia, I guess, Sergio, he did say there was some sort of braking issue with the car, but he obviously put it into the gravel and whatever. Still, the first two races, 
the Red Bull was dominant with Perez as well. So you take those out, and Perez is right in the thick of the championship with Alonso and Hamilton and, and the rest of the other guys. It's only Max Verstappen who is just absolutely dominating this field. I haven't really been impressed with any of Sergio's comeback drives. Um, you know, even when they are praised by fans and media, like people were just like, oh, what a drive from Perez to get back to P5 in Australia. And I feel like every time I talk about one of the Perez comeback drives, I'm like, Max would have won. Or Max would have at least came second. I think Spain was the one where had Max started where Sergio did. I, I think Max may not have actually won the race. But either way, it probably would have been close. So Max is going to beat Checo for the rest of the season, every single race, unless something happens. He's got him well and covered, and something maybe is going on with Sergio's confidence because he just doesn't really look that impressive. And for it to be the most dominant car of all time, there needs to be a hell of a lot more one-twos. And the second driver just isn't making the most out of this so-called dominant car. I mean, it is a dominant car, but yeah, it's out of contention. It is not with the McLaren uh, of Senna and Prost, the MP4. Um, it's not even, you know, the Williams, the FW14, I believe. It's not even the Mercedes 2020 W11. Perez is making it very obvious that this isn't the most dominant car. Uh, he is not that bad. Like, this is a, way, a weird way of me defending Perez. Like, he's been, he's looked so bad, and it's just because that's what Max Verstappen does to his teammates. He did it to Albon. He did it to, to Gasly. He even kind of was starting to do it to Ricardo. Max is just that good. So, yes, it's not just the car. I know some of you Mercedes fans might be a little bit upset to hear that, but Max is special. Now, speaking of Mercedes, a team that I had the most hope for to close the gap with their big, massive upgrade this weekend. Wait, what? It's only a front wing? Yeah, what was that? There was all this hype about this major upgrade for Mercedes. I was not making that up, guys. And then they just bring a front wing. And they said they have more in the pipeline. So maybe they have split up the big upgrade to... Um, multiple races maybe it's not ready maybe they're actually hesitating a little bit um lewis was actually kind of without giving anything away was like i think we need to know what or we know what we need to do which is a bit ominous but yeah i was very disappointed in their qualifying pace here the new front wing didn't seem to do anything to be honest um they did have hopeful race race pace from practice um and from from their starting positions, I think they believe that they could do something to get onto the podium. Um, George started on soft, the only one in the top uh, 10, I believe, to be on softs. Um, Lewis was on the more standard mediums, but he went wide at the start and fell behind Fernando. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Like, I knew Aston wasn't really that competitive here. But to fall behind someone like Fernando is just, you know, it's going to be annoying. So Lewis did take a bit, but not that long to get by, thankfully. And then both of them, um, as in George and Lewis, were stuck behind a Ferrari as McLaren drives off. And I was thinking, I was like, how, how has Mercedes 
not like how, how have they lost the chance to get a podium at the British Grand Prix? I thought it was signed, sealed, delivered that it was going to be Red Bull and two McLarens. And then George kind of showing the field that the soft works. He drove them for 30 laps. So that was three times longer than what uh, Pirelli expected those softs to last. So again, kind of a weird showing for Pirelli that like, they may have made tires that are way too good. It's it's strange. Like, for a hard tire to be on at the safety car restart again, like I said, and for it to be working, yes, it only worked for some teams, um, but it worked. And then the soft, like, that's just not how you think about – I, I don't know. Some, of, some people who are a little bit more casual or a little newer to Formula 1 may not um, relate to this, but – when you think of Formula One and you think of the tire compounds, you're like, oh, soft is qualifying, hard is like slow, but it's going to bring you like far into the race and it's not going to degrade as much. Someone on a soft versus someone on a hard, it should be easy for the person on the softs. Like if you've ever played the Formula One game, if you're on the softs behind someone on the hard, like you just have so much more grip and you will be so much faster than them. But your tires will feel like crap in just a few laps. That's just the nature of the softs. Yet, George is able to go 30 laps on them, and then when both the hard and the soft are fresh, Lando is able to hold off Lewis Hamilton in somewhat equally paced cars. That just doesn't sound right. I don't know. But Pirelli knows more about tires than I do. Anyway, um, again, kind of like Piastri, George did get screwed by that safety car. He pit just a few laps before it kind of an unlucky p5 finish for him he probably should have been p4 ahead of lewis who won out massively um with that safety car and then of course lewis has that battle with lando it was great watching it i was very shocked he couldn't make the move i thought he was definitely going to be p2 but still gets that podium on his home race i think the question about this race for mercedes was was this encouraging as a Mercedes fan, I don't think it was. I think to see another one of their customers get up there and be faster than them for pretty much the second race running, things just are looking a little bit Ferrari-esque, I might, I might say, about Mercedes right now. It just seems like they don't know. They just don't understand their car. They don't know why they're fast some weekends, why they're slow. They don't know where to go with this car. It seemed like everything was pointing in the right direction at the end of 2022 after they built that nightmare of a W13. And then this year seems to be that it's just confirming that something is wrong, whether it be with their simulations, whether it be with their aero department. I don't know what it is because I'm obviously not that connected to the team, but that's just the vibe I get. It just, they should be doing better or, or just what is in this Red Bull that no one is able to just tap into. That's why I believe that it's really just the might of Max Verstappen because I just don't understand how no Formula One teams, even teams that have hired former Red Bull employees, have been able to even sniff the efficiency of the Red Bull. That is the craziest part. Um, but anyway, moving on to the team who has been... The closest to Ferrari, or, wow, I'm, I'm giving it away. Anyway, what a segue, Brad. You absolutely executed that one perfectly. Ferrari, 
solid work, I would say, in qualifying. They look dangerous over one lap again. Then in the race, very, very average. Um, you know, they were quick enough to make Mercedes work, um, but they were getting gapped by McLaren. Then they put the drivers on the hard. Sound familiar? I mean, every time Ferrari puts their drivers on the hard and no other team in the top part of the of the race puts their driver on the hard. I guess McLaren kind of did, so maybe I shouldn't be too hard on Ferrari, but their hards just did not work. They even, like Leclerc pitted twice. Sainz was a sitting duck at the restart, so they only finished P9 and P10, and barely they were beat by a slower Aston Martin and a Williams. Not a good execution from them. Something that Ferrari has done a million times. Disappointing execution. But either way, they weren't really in contention here. They didn't miss out on anything huge, but just more points left on the table. That is, Ferrari summed up very briefly, is just always leaving points on the table. Two, as I said, a Williams, who I think we might be talking about more often. And I am actually really a fan of Williams. Um, They're kind of like, they're always the team that I cheer for. And the bottom half, I know some people love Haas as the underdogs, but I personally have always cheered for Williams um, ever since I started watching the sport. They were so, so terrible in 19 and 20 and 21, even not great, but they had those some stellar races from George, and that's how I became a George fan. I was so excited for him to join Mercedes. I'm still Lewis over George, so it's weird because I, I, was, I was a huge George fan at Williams, and then... He comes to Mercedes, and I was so excited. And then once he actually starts racing against my favorite driver, I'm like, no, George, why are you beating him? Like, I'm almost like cheering against him in a weird way, but I'm not because in the end, I know Mercedes doesn't have anything real to fight for, or I should say Lewis. So I am cheering for them more as a team than I am as a driver, but I do want Lewis to beat George in the championship. Anyway, I've got off on a way way off track tangent here so Williams they bring a new front wing to this race and I'm not sure that that really made all the difference but their practice pace especially in the hands of Alex Albon was superb p2 p3 and p3 were the three finishes of the of the three practices then Albon gets p8 in the qualifying um in the qualifying that just sounds weird P8 in the race, also Logan's best quality result, Logan's best race result. Just an overall fantastic weekend from Williams. I do think they fell back in the race a little bit. Like, their pace wasn't amazing, but they were able to um, be there to benefit from the safety car. Helped them, helped them out massively. And then at the restart, Alex was, you know, battling with Ferraris and, and Alonso, and Logan was battling with Gasly and Stroll, like... Just people that neither one of those drivers have been battling with this year. So I think the Williams is playing to their strength. They've always been weirdly one of the most efficient cars in terms of drag. And now they're just adding downforce and they're not losing the drag. That's why I think was kind of strange about the Ferrari was that they seemed like they had the most downforce initially um, and were extremely quick in the slow speed. And now it just doesn't seem like they have that characteristic, that strength anymore. They said they were trying to get away from it and 
get more faster down the straights. And I feel like they got a little bit away from their identity. But either way, the Ferrari concept needed to change. I don't need to get into that either. Um, again, here to talk about Williams, not Ferrari. But you, I, I'm more so just illustrating that. I feel like Williams has kept their strength. It's still a very slippery car. And now they're just making it more balanced and just adding a little bit of downforce to what is already a quick and a straight line car. So I really like what Williams is doing. James Valls is working wonders. I wasn't sure that it was going to work out that well with him as team principal, but he is getting praised by everyone inside Williams and outside Williams. It's great to see what they're doing right now. Um, And honestly, like who knows, maybe Logan even scores points there if he was able to pit under the safety car like Alex did. So, you know, great result for them. And it's just, yeah, awesome to see Williams back in the fight consistently because I am a fan of them. They are kind of my underdog team. So let's go, Williams. I hope they can keep this up. But if I think P7, where they are right now, is about as good as they can get. I, I They're definitely not challenging for P6. So just keeping in P7 is huge for them and hopefully just keep making steps forward because it is a pretty big gap, I would say, to the next kind of tier, which is kind of Alpine on their own. So I guess why don't we talk about them because they also brought a new front wing. So many new front wings coming to Silverstone. And, you know, they look decent at times in both quality and the race. But, again, when they're somewhat competitive, they double DNF when they had a shot at points. You know, Gasly was out after colliding with Stroll kind of near the end after the safety car restart. My thoughts on that incident, like, it didn't really end up mattering. I think Gasly may have had, like, one point that he could have salvaged out of the race. Um, But they were probably both just going to finish, like, just outside the points. So... Yeah, it wasn't a very meaningful incident. And I do think Stroll, some people thought Stroll actually got off lightly because he took Gasly out of the race. But I actually found it was kind of just hard racing. It was a little bit naughty from Stroll. But had they just deemed no further action, I think I would have been been okay with that. Maybe that's crazy to say um, because Stroll did kind of come across. But the reason he did is because Gasly left him no room. You know, this is basically how the through goes Hamilton racing went last year. It's just that they didn't collide. And I don't think it was sloppy from Stroll. I just think that Gasly didn't expect him to come back on like that, where um, with Perez and Leclerc last year, Perez got pushed off and didn't like hold his ground, right? So they are a little bit of a different incident. It's not directly the same, but it's similar. And those guys probably should have got penalties, but everyone loved it. So I don't know. It was hard racing to me, and I think just because Gasly was out, they had to give Stroll something, and it didn't matter anyway, so it probably would have left more complaints had they done nothing, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, And then quickly, before I get into the results, Aston Martin, I don't know what's happening there. It appears that they're really losing the development race at the moment. You know, these are typical, very representative aero-type tracks, Austria and Silverstone they they need to sort something out especially with McLaren now apparently in the mix because honestly they now look like they're the fifth quickest team again right when they were second and thought they were going to be challenging Red Bull for the second half I was getting all excited about you know Red Bull starting to develop next year's car and Aston Martin being one of the teams a 
along with Mercedes and even Ferrari potentially battling with Red Bull at the end of the year, and Aston Martin looks to have gone backwards. So very puzzling stuff from them. I don't know why. And Spain is another one. Like those are always people say, oh, if you do well here, you're going to do well everywhere. So maybe we should have saw it coming. Maybe Spain wasn't an outlier like everyone thought it was. Canada is more of a specific track, and that's where they were good. So very strange, and I, that is a team that I will definitely be keeping my eye on. They seem very draggy, so maybe Hungary will suit them better. And I have to say, I do have a hunch that it will. But come, like, Belgium and, and whatnot, like, I don't think Aston Martin's going to do very good unless they have more upgrades in the pipeline. So... Yeah, that covers all the storylines I kind of wanted to talk about. So getting into the results, Max Verstappen, of course, wins again. P2 for Lando Norris. P3 was Lewis Hamilton. That made it two Brits on the podium for the first time since my birth year. I don't know if you guys know how old I am, but I'll leave it at that. Oscar Piastri, P4, so close to his first podium but still by far his best result in Formula 1. His only other point-scoring race, I think, was Australia with a P8. That was it. So a P4 finish, fantastic for him. I think he has to be very happy about that, even though he'll be gutted that he was so close to his first podium in F1. Then it was George Russell in P5, very unlucky. Uh, Then Perez in P6, again, underwhelming recovery drive from him. P7, Fernando Alonso salvaging some sort of result for Aston. P8, Alex Albon capping a great weekend for Williams. Then it was the Ferraris, P9, Charles Leclerc, and P10 point going to Carlos Sainz. Now the top 10 in the driver standings looks like this. Max Verstappen, 255 points, 99 points ahead of Sergio Perez with 156. Then it goes Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton. They are only separated by 16 points. Then it's a Bit of a gap down to Carlos Sainz, almost 40 points down to him. Carlos at 83, George Russell at 82, who separated himself from Charles Leclerc. They were tied going into this race. Leclerc now down by eight points from Russell. Now, it's Lance Stroll, who's been kind of further adrift of the top seven. He's down at 44 points. Lando Norris now has 42 points. So McLaren is almost already ahead of one of the Astons. And then it's Esteban Ocon with 31. I also want to point out that Oscar Piastri is now up into P11 in the championship ahead of Pierre Gasly, who is only sitting at 16. Now looking at the constructors, Red Bull, 411 points already. Mercedes is the next team with 203. Then it's Aston Martin with 181. Ferrari, 157. McLaren overtakes Alpine. They're at 59 points now. They just scored 30 at this race. That's more than the rest of their season combined. They were sitting on 29 heading in to the British Grand Prix. Alpine now down in P6. 47 points for them. Williams jumps two spots to P7 now. They have 11 points. It is the same amount as Haas, but they've had a better uh, result on countback. So they are ahead of them. Haas, of course, in P8. That puts Alpha with nine points, which seems decently respectable, but that puts them in P9 with nine points. And then Alpha Tari seems nowhere near 
getting out of the basement of Formula One now. Only two points still. Such a shame because Sonoda was so strong at the beginning of the year. Just wasn't getting lucky, wasn't getting those points hauls. A lot of P11s just outside the points. So shame for them. But anyway, let's get into prize, demise, and surprise. Well, I think I'm going to be pretty quick here. The prize is McLaren, and I have more to talk about with them. So let's go straight into the demise. It has to be Alpine, right? I mean, you could have said Ferrari with just how poor their execution was, but it wasn't really that bad of a weekend pace-wise. You could have said Perez again for a fifth straight Q3 missed. But I have to go with Alpine because with McLaren's prize has comes Alpine's demise. That is part of it. The fact that McLaren has done so well and has now jumped them while Alpine is double DNFing, making Oscar Piastri look like he made the right decision. That is the L for them. And the surprise has to be Aston Martin, I think. I, I am continued to be shocked by their lack of pace um, race after race. So, yeah, I, I've kind of covered it already. I, I just... I'm it's surprise, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I don't know what to say because I I don't know how they've gone from being so good to being just weirdly off the pace. Alonso is I don't believe it's a dip in his form at all because you know, Stroll is still kind of far off, so he has not really made up any ground on Alonso. I don't feel like the other teams have made up an amazing amount of ground on Red Bull. So it's like, what has happened here? Still a lot of season to go. We'll see what happens. But yeah, they have surprised me once again. So the championship segment makes its return. And I feel like I have to talk about McLaren in here because it has been their weekend. But my championship segment title is called, Is There Really Even a Fight for McLaren? Of course, you know, they're going to be happy with their result and they just want to move forward and close the gap. They don't have to be fighting with someone directly in the championship for them to be satisfied. But like, are they battling Alpine for fifth? Are they, you know, really actually battling the top four now? Can they catch them? I'm not sure they're really doing either. You know, either way, it's a massive step forward. But what's more likely, are they actually able to catch the top four? Is Alpine going to make a step and is that battle going to go back and forth? Because, yeah, like I said, I think the answer to both of them is no. So I think if I had to pick one, it is catching Aston Martin. The way Aston Martin's driving right now, you know, they're concerning me a bit. And, you know, although it does feel really early to be saying that, like that's why I said I, I would pick no for both of them. But, you know, McLaren might actually have a bit of a shot at that you know I would be taking Piastri over Stroll arguably in a straight fight at the moment and two drivers scoring against one goes a long way so you know especially if Alonso is not frequently on the podium anymore and you know Lando is kind of scoring the way Fernando was in the in the early part of the season I don't think he probably will but you never know um, if they're getting frequent like P4s and P6s like kind of in there with both cars, by the end of the season, they could catch up. So 
I think that is definitely more realistic than Alpine. I just don't have any faith in them. They seem to always stagnate, as I've said already. So, yeah, the the championship segment for McLaren is kind of a strange one because I feel like now with their big step forward, they're in a weird kind of no man's land where they're just a little bit too far behind. They started too slow, but they're too good to even be considered in that fight for Alpine. So now Alpine also finds them in a no man's finds themselves in a no man's land because who are they fighting with? They they can't catch McLaren. They've now fallen out of a top five spot, but they're still clear of the midfield. The midfield looked a little bit different now with Red Bull being kind of in a tier of their own. And then McLaren and Mercedes and Ferrari and Aston kind of fighting each other. Alpine kind of on the back of them, but not really. It made Haas, Alfa Romeo, and um, Alfa Tauri look really bad because, of course, Williams even had a decent race. Those three teams looked horrendous in Silverstone. So it is kind of weird how it was really tight at the beginning and it does seem to be shifting. We can see some development races pan out. But still, from race to race, it's going to change. There's going to be some races where the Haas is just amazing because their tires don't go off. It seems to be always their issue. So, yeah, their reliability also looking a bit sus, by the way. I mean, Magnussen had two separate issues and Hulkenberg had the retirement last race. So hopefully they need to iron that out um, because they can't be doing that when they are in a point scoring position. Haas needs every little bit of points that they can get. So... Yeah, guys, that is it. Um, I think I've covered everything for the British Grand Prix that I wanted to say. So that will do it for episode 62 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 63 Monday to preview the Hungarian Grand Prix. Is McLaren back officially? Well, if they can pull off another race like that in Hungary, we might have to declare them back for good. Goodbye.